Hey, wasn't that great? They do such a good job at those videos. And I'm telling you, I, it's funny because God talks about childlike uh, faith, and I'm like, you know, that totally, I resonate with some of those videos. I'm like, keeping it simple, that's what God's trying to do even for us. And I love those, so I think it's, uh, it's great. But it'll be great to have Children's Church back here, won't it? Man, we have a full house. Obviously, we know that you guys are streaming online. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, good to have you guys all here this morning. Um, I get the privilege of speaking. They couldn't find anybody else. It was like, hey, we got some people out of town. What do you think? Could you just, could you just step in? I was like, ah, yeah. So my plan was like, sure, I can start a movie. I mean, it wouldn't be a problem. I'll put on the mic and just like, here's what we're going to watch. Press play. It'll be very biblical. And you guys will get a lot from it, right? That's okay. God uses us all in different ways. We're going to talk about a little bit of that. So uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been here. Uh, DJ spoke a few weeks ago, and I, I love what he said. I mean, as far as, as far as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of ourselves, not by works, so that no man can boast. So it's not about works, but there's joy that rises up in us, and this fruit becomes those good works. And I love how DJ just kind of reminded us, it's, it's not about works. We don't have to do that to gain something from the Lord because he's unhappy, but we have these good works that we can do because it begins to rise up in us. So that was so good. This weekend, we're going to continue with Ephesians. Ephesians is so rich. We're going to talk about Ephesians um, 2, 11 through 22. I'm going to just read real quick. I'm going to just, and I got some new glasses, by the way. So what's going to happen? And I noticed that last night, I, I could see really well when I was reading, then I forget to take them off, and then you guys are all blurry. So I know, I'm getting a little older here. <clears throat> anyway. And I'm not sitting down, at least I'm standing, amen? So, all right, so Ephesians 2, 11 uh, through 13. Let's just read this real quick. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were the Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is the Jews. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So I read that just quickly, and the couple words resonate with me. One, I hear this word remember twice, you know, even in that little section, remember and remember again. And then also I hear this word citizenship, citizenship in Israel. So I started thinking about this. Obviously, we just celebrated the 4th of July. We know that that was the start of citizenship for us as, as Americans, right? 1776, 13 original colonies. We said, hey, we want to be independent from Britain. We're going to start our own thing. And that was the start of citizenship for us. But we have that reminder of the 4th of July. I mean, think about it. Even before we're thinking about it, we walk into a department store, and there's the flags out and everything else. Hi, Jarrett and Kate. How are you? Those are my sons right there. <laughs> Woo! But... Think about it. You walk into these, I couldn't help but notice them. They're just so handsome men after their mother. So anyway, but you walk into these stores and there's reminders. Even, even before you're thinking about the 4th of July, uh, you see this and you know, oh, must be coming up. This is, this is happening. And when I say to people, well, hey, did you have a good 4th? Everyone knows it's not like, oh, did you have a good 4th of August or September? They're like, it's the 4th of July. We know that. We remember that. This is where this becomes important, all right? We also remember tragedies, though, too. If I say, everyone remember 9-11, you know exactly where you were 
space and time if you were here on this earth, but you also know it's September 11th, 2001. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to um, remember the specific date. Was that 9-11? What, what was that? No, no, no. It's September 11th, 2001. We remember those things. We also remember Pearl Harbor and other wars, different tragedies within our country. Now, some of those things we remember automatically. Some things the media is great at reminding us of. We, as at least just going through the week, when we look at small reminders, thank goodness for my crutch, my iPhone, that already has pops-ups of different things and probably a reminder in here. But if I need to do a task or I've got something i got to do this Friday, whatever, i got the reminders that pop up for me, right? We use that or maybe use a calendar, what have you. The big picture is this, is that in this scripture, when we look at God's word, here's the one thing about it is that it's living and active. So if we look at Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. I mean, in that when you read it, it resonates with you. It's, it's like the word is talking to you, speaking to you. When you read these words, like God is like speaking right to you. And this brings up that point of like, huh, so when we read Ephesians 2.11 through 13 as we just kick it off, and we look at that, we say, he says, remember, and he says, remember. Now, here's the, the big part of this is that when do you think this um, epistle was written to the Ephesians? So Paul writes this. How long after Paul visited Ephesus do you think he wrote this letter? Or I had to do some research because I don't know. A couple days, um, so it actually it was about 10 years. He visited in 52 AD is what they have. And in 62 AD, he wrote this letter. Now, here's the interesting part. He wrote the letter when he was in prison. He wrote a lot of the epistles. Isn't it interesting what you can do with your prison time? And if you're in that space and time, like, oh, Lord, this is rough, man. That's probably when God is speaking to you the most. And Paul is like... And he's reminding himself who he is. But think about it. It was the reminder of 10 years after he had visited, according to what we know. So I think that was a real quick um, kind of jog for me to say, okay, it wasn't like after these people made a decision a month after, you know, to say, all right, I've accepted the good news, the gospel, Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. But it was, I need to have that reminder. And so it was 10 years later. And I think that's what God is saying for us today, right now, is to try to think about this as if you just heard it for the first time. You get into your heart to say, all right, Lord, you are reminding me today who I am, that I can't do it on my own, and I've got to look at my citizenship. So let's look at citizenship, because quickly, when I think of me trying to be a citizen of Israel, I'm a proud American. I have no desire to go and leave Israel. But the word says citizenship in Israel. So let's look at this from man's perspective. Because that's what we get caught up on sometimes when we look at, I don't know if I'm going to qualify for what's required to be a citizen in Israel. It says, I'll have citizenship in Israel. Now, God is speaking from a spiritual standpoint. But in my mind, I quickly think, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I make it. Can I meet the standards? So every nation um, all have these standards of what's required for citizenship, including the U.S. And Israel is no different. So the state of Israel was formed in 1948. In 1950, they came out with this law called the Law of Return. One caveat, you need to be Jewish. 
I was like, okay, all right, need to be Jewish. We'll see, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've got the Jewish piece. And here's the other piece. In order to determine that, if I was born anywhere in the world as a Jew, I need to be able to prove my mom was Jewish or my dad was Jewish. Um, or, sorry, my mom was Jewish or my grandmother, not my dad. It wouldn't really help. But either my mom or my grandmother was Jewish. Those are a couple requirements. Now, in 1970, they revised this and they said, hey, um, if you marry a Jew, if you marry a Jew, you can claim citizenship in Israel. And I will say that I am probably married to a Jew now. Um, and I think most of us are because of what Jesus did, right? He is truly our bridegroom. And that, I know it's weird. You're like, huh, I don't know. But, but when you think about this, let's look at that a little bit, little bit further. So we looked at these standards to say, man, what do I have to meet from man's laws to be a citizen in Israel? And growing up myself, um, my last name is Sesmat, which dropped the T, it's Sesma, it's a French name. And so growing up, my dad had always said, hey, you know, we're, we're French. My great-grandfather came over from France through San Francisco, settled in California as an immigrant. And then on my mom's side, uh, my mom had always heard uh, that she was Indian and then also Scottish and a little bit of British there. And so I think when you think of myself, because this starts to be about bloodline, and that's what we're talking about in order for me to qualify for citizenship. My bloodline has to meet the requirements. So I'm thinking, all right, that's what I know as, as a child of who I am. Any other French in here? Bloodline? Okay. German? I, I didn't ask German last night, and all of a sudden there was tons of people like, uh, German. German. <laughs> all right, sorry. Um, Indian? Yeah? Okay. Um, how about British? Yes, okay. Um, what else am I? Oh, Scottish. How about Scottish? Yes, all right. Woo, see the hands. Anyone, were you able to visit where your ancestors live? Have you guys ever been there? Yes? No, no, some? Okay. All right, so let's look at my Ancestry.com uh, results. I happened to go and do the DNA test. I did it a few years ago, and I thought it was fitting. So as you look at this here, you can see how much French is just popping off the screen. Um, yeah. And then I was thinking, oh, you know, if the French isn't there, maybe the Indian is there. And I'm like, huh, that's not there either. And then I was like, okay, I got a little bit of Scottish. I'm like, ah, 11%. And then I do have European Jewish. I was like, woo, come on, 4%, right? So interesting, I had such a passion to think, man, I want to go visit France. I want to be there. This is my, where my ancestors are from. This is important. I want to go there. But here's was the realization, and as I was studying, I forgot about this, and of course the Lord is like, remember, and he's, he's telling me to remember who I am and that I am 100% Jew. My bloodline has changed. Your bloodline has changed. So when you think of Israel and citizenship, if you haven't ever been to Israel, it's great to get caught up and go to Germany and do some of those things. But think about it. Your faith, who you are, how everything started, where Jesus was born, where he died on the cross for us is all in Israel. So if you're going to go visit somewhere, that's, that's your bloodline. 
that is where you're from. And God is wanting us to get this today to say, hey, I know I've told you this. I know I am, uh, you've heard this before. The first time you accepted Jesus, you've heard some of these things, but I wanna remind you again. That's why I'm gonna read this scripture again because man, he's saying, remember, remember. So let's look at it one more time. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are the Gentiles by birth. Who are the Gentiles? Anyone who is not a Jew. So we, unless someone's 100% Jewish, I get it. Um, But if you're not, we're all the Gentiles, right? So remember, remember, remember that formerly you who were the Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised uh, by those that call themselves the circumcision. Now he's separating this because he's looking at two parties. The circumcision were the Jews, but now things have changed. The 613 laws, everything they had to do, all that stuff has changed. And so he's, he goes on to say, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship and foreigners to the covenants and the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, only because of Jesus, only because of what he has done, not because we had tried to earn or be good enough at, but now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Whew, all right. So we think about that. The bridegroom truly is Jesus. Our citizenship from a spiritual standpoint, God is saying, look, Darren, don't get caught up on you being French or Indian or trying to figure out that culture or who you think you are, and I need to be a part of that. The same thing here in the U.S. We love it here, but he's saying, remember who you are. Who, what is your identity now? And he's not telling you right when you made this decision. He's telling you 10 years later. And I think, I think to the Christians, you know, to us as believers, is saying, man, if you made that decision five years ago, or 20 years ago, or 32 years ago, or 48, whatever it might be, is that God is saying, look, I want you to remember now that today, all of a sudden, these blinders come off of this identity. So we're, we're understanding that part. That's our citizenship. He's wanting to really transform our mind, right? So Romans uh, 12, 2, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind. It sounds simple. You're like, man, I could read this, I totally get it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking different already. But it's a daily walk, isn't it? <laughs> it's, just, it's just daily for us. And that's why this word is living and active to, to help us remember. So the scripture goes on to say, again, the DNA is now changed. You have to believe that. Don't get excited about being German anymore or me being French because it didn't even exist right? (laughs) This is who I am. No, that's not even who you are. It's not even in your blood. So Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, let's look at this. As we continue here, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God and also members of this household. It doesn't seem like he's already said some of these things in the beginning, and now he's trying to say it again with different wording. I think to get it in our minds of like, Okay, he's reiterating this again, right? But here's what I thought about. Just, just that little piece there on, ni- on 19, I thought members of his household, no longer strangers. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm a new believer. I just don't know the word good enough. I don't have all, or you know what? I've been a believer for 20 years. I don't, I don't know all this enough. I haven't got it figured out. And God is saying, 
man, from a spiritual standpoint, you are an equal. You are a citizen, king of glory, king of kings. Like, this is who you are. You are a son and daughter of the Most High, and come into my house. And quickly I would think, all right, I'll come in. Maybe I'll be able to stay for a few nights. Maybe they'll let me just, like, rent a room for a few nights. You know, that would be great. Oh, it's dinner time. Um, Maybe I'll get to sit at the table. But here's what God is saying. Darren, you don't understand. I have your room picked out. Everything in it that you desire, that you want, is there. Every, everything is, is perfected because I think of all the details about you. And also that table. I remember as a child, you know, when you go to your grandmother's house or mom's or whatever, and you're like, okay, the adults sit at the big table. And they, you know, they got the nice, comfortable seats. And then us kids sit at the little, like a table like this, you know, but it's super low. And you're trying, well, I'm not going to do that, but you're trying to literally kind of sit at the table and eat your food. And as you get bigger, you're like 13 or so. And you're like, man, my knees don't fit. They're rubbing and all that stuff. But that's the kid's table. We're not accepted at the adult table, right? So there's that separation. But God is saying, look, no, no, no. I have a seat for you right here. You are, here's, here's Paul tonight, and I have you sitting right here, son and daughter. Paul and you, I think of as equals. 100% equal citizenship. But getting that like it's fresh and new today, like it's just brand new, like you've never heard that before. Because there's a reason for that. Why are, we, why are we doing that? What's the reason? Why are we here, right? What's the reason to come in here? And that's what we're trying to look at. So we're going to look at this. We talked about when this word was written. And the reminder again, it was 10 years later. But why not look at an example of a person to say, who was miraculously transformed? We all have been, but let's look at Saul becoming Paul. So what do we know about Saul? Um, and I'll ask you guys, but what do you know about Saul? Who was Saul before he was Paul? Kenny? Yeah, so Paul was hunting Christians, believers, and he thought that that was right based on how, how he was taught. He was like, I'm, I need to hunt them down. Yes. So anything else on Saul? Don't think of Paul. He was Roman, and he was a Jew. Very well educated, very well educated. So he was not only a Jew, but he was an Orthodox Jew following the... 613 laws. What was and he was a Pharisee, but also he was a rabbi, they say. So you think about the, the oh, I'm an Orthodox Jew, I'm a Pharisee, I'm also a rabbi, I'm a teacher, I'm coming in to teach, right? Now, in the scripture, we mentioned, Kenny, you said persecution, right? And if we look at that, um, and Saul leading these violent persecutions, it says in Acts um, 8, 1 through 3, it said, and Saul approved in killing him. That's Stephen. Um, Saul said, yeah, stone Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. If we look even further here, Acts 26, 10 and 11, it says, uh, And this 
is what I did in Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that even hunted them uh, down in different foreign cities. So fast forward to today of this Saul, all right? And we think about this to say, uh, because there was a busy city, things are going on, you know, where he was, and all of a sudden these Christians, these new believers are being persecuted, which happens today in places around the world. But think about if, if Saul is this guy in Denver, and he's hunting us, right? And let's say that's three months ago or whatever. Well, God has gotten a hold of him, and we've decided to have Saul come in and speak to us today, and this is that guy, right? It's interesting, though. When I say Saul, I can barely say it. I just want to say Paul. So isn't it interesting how we recognize him now under one new identity? We don't think of his past. We only think of him as Paul, even myself. And that's interesting of why that would be, right? But if he's coming in, he didn't seem like the best role model. But at the end of the day, I mean, I look at myself and I'm like, man, I have failed. I haven't, I haven't done you know, everything I could do perfectly. I've made plenty of mistakes. And, and this is this guy, Paul, who has been miraculously transformed. And he's the one's writing these letters. Now, here's the big piece. And this was the part that he decided to say, I'm going to be a little different. Here's the deal is that in this time, Jews had two names. Um, they actually, it was pretty common. You'd have a Jewish name which was Saul for, for this individual. I want to say for Paul. <laughs> and then he had this name Paul. So what's the uh, definition of Saul? What, what would be the reason to name your child Saul? Do you guys know? Okay. Kenny. Yes. So exactly, that's exactly the reason. So it was King Saul, the first king of Israel. Kenny, you just are, it's great. Yep. So yes, first king of Israel. And what that represented was power, authority, kind of a mighty connotation of uh, this regalness of, I've named my son Saul. You know, he, after the king of Israel, which, who lost favor, by the way, from God? How's that deep voice, by the way? I can't sing. And I was singing during worship, and my voice gives out so quick. So it, that's why it's, it's already, already kind of deep there. But think about it. I'm going to name my son Saul Power. All right, what's Paul mean? You guys ever looked that up? I looked it up for the first time. That's why this word is living and active. Anybody ever look it up? What's that? Sent by God. All right. In the Greek, here's what it means, though. It actually means humble. Or small. So think about it this way. Hmm. So I've got to make a decision from an identity standpoint. I go from this king of power and authority to this other name, Paul, which is humble, small. Here's the, where the light comes on, though, is that Paul realizes it's not about him. It's not about him anymore. It's not about his might of being a rabbi or a Pharisee or well-educated. It's all about Jesus. 
It's only through the gospel. Thank you, Lord, right? And that is what Paul's saying. You know what? I can't go by both identities. I'm going to just go by Paul. Now, here's me as a Christian. I have to work at it every day. Today I'm speaking. We could leave and go to lunch today uh, or drive it home. Someone could cut me off, and I'm, I'm angry. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they did that. I'm like, you know what? Paul would have been like, man, God bless you. God bless you. But think about it. I, it's that daily of, of that to say, I want so bad to stand and sit in that other identity, but I struggle with it. It's, it's hard for me, and I need to work on it every day. So I think here's what Paul said is this, is, and, I, and I love this, is that in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, I'm going to hit 19 right here, but it says, though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to win as many as possible. So he's saying, look, though I am free, meaning I don't have to try to be perfect on these 613 laws. I am free. Now, Paul could have made a decision right there as a believer. Man, Jesus, I accept you for what you did on the cross. You dying for me, my sins, I accept you. You're the way, the truth, and life, right? That is the only way to the Father. Thank you, Jesus. And he could have built that relationship, deepened that relationship. But he made a decision right there in between when he says, I belong to no one. He says, I have made myself available uh, or really a slave to everyone. So I think that's a critical point. As believers here for us is that, man, it doesn't mean we're not deepening our relationship. We're getting to know you, Lord. But what's the purpose of the equipping? It's back to, man, we have this joy in our hearts to say, I want to help impact others, save and help as many as I can. But realizing it's not me, it's not my power. And what Paul said is, look, to the Jew, I become like the Jew, meaning I want to come alongside people as this equal, if you will. To the ones um, without the law, meaning if you're not Jewish, you're the Gentile, and you're not following these 613 laws, I become like those. I become like the ones without the law. Um, to the weak, I become like the weak. So Paul is making a decision. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to probably write these epistles. But he looked at his identity and how he wanted to move forward in life to say, man, i got to affect as many people as I can. Now here's the deal. This room is full of people that affected others. You guys have all probably had some conversation about who Jesus is to somebody. And, there, and some people are sitting here because of that conversation or they're somewhere else. And that's, that's the, the biggest part is, is really Paul is making a decision to say, hey, I'm going to step into this new identity. I'm not going to be Saul anymore. It's not power and authority and might. It's just little and small. <laughs> I want to be less than. So Jesus, you can be more than anything. And here's the deal. If we look at even... Um, from man's laws for citizenship in the state of Israel, shifting back, right? We know it's a spiritual citizenship, but what Israel asks is, look, once you claim citizenship in Israel, you have to renounce your citizenship from where you were. So, if you're hung up on being a part of this culture or <laughs> my bloodline of like, I'm not even French, which is easy now for me. It's like, I don't even need to hold on to that. Doesn't mean now my grandfather didn't grow up in France. It wasn't a part of that culture. 
There's people that grow up in a backyard and become immersed in the culture. And God is saying, don't get hung up on that. Be a part of it. Come and be a part of that, yes. But the motivation is because you're trying to reach others. Our little life on this earth is way too short. That vapor, right? And eternity is so long to say, man, I want to be a part of that. But I need to renounce who I was. I got to step in, and I almost was going to say, well, I don't know what your new name is, but it's, it's whatever God is saying. Here's who you are. He wants you to remember where you came from. That's so critical. Don't forget where you came from, what he brought you through and to, and why you are where you are today. And I think that's a part for me. I tell you, if in 1990 or 91, if I brought my friends from high school in here, and, they were in, and you asked, like, hey, do you see Darren up here, you know, speaking about the Lord? There is no way. They would have laughed. There's like, no way. The miraculous. It's only because of Jesus. A lot of us have that same, I could go one by one with everybody. And some of you, it doesn't matter. You grew up in the church, but it doesn't mean that you had this relationship until there was a light that came on. There was this light bulb that said, yes, Lord. Yes, it is, it is about you. And I'm working on that myself every day. But here's a question, and I'll tell you my story, and in closing, is that um, where were you, space and time, when you made the decision to accept Jesus for the first time? When you made that decision? And I imagine your mind is kind of going back, you're like, I know exactly where I was. I, myself, I was in a Baptist church, you know, big kind of A-frame church. It seemed like it was huge. I was in fifth grade. I was about 20 rows back in the pews. There were probably 40 uh, rows or so. And I just remember trying to listen to the message. I mean, I was fiddling with the stuff in the front of the pew, you know, fidgety. And then all of a sudden, the pastor, you know, gave a, an opportunity to respond, to accept Jesus for the first time. And I just remember the Holy Spirit just lifting me up. Um, and I, it was like a trance, you know, you're just, and you just start walking down to the front. And I walked down and accepted Jesus. Now, the reason I was there is a neighbor had invited me. Um, but let me ask you guys, so did you hear from a family member about Jesus, who Jesus was the first time? Was it a concert or something? Uh, maybe a crusade? A crusade, okay. <laughs> it was funny, it came up um, last night, like, well, yeah, I did go to a crusade, but it wasn't last week, because they're not having any of those right now to get together. Was it at church through a, a pastor or somebody? Um, so if it wasn't a family member, if it wasn't a pastor, uh, you know, crusade, concert, was it in like a youth get-together or retreat or something like that when you accepted Jesus? And you guys tell me, what, what, did, what was the, the time? Where was that for you? Was it, yeah, curse. It was around fifth grade. Fifth grade. Okay. 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 So a friend. Uh, any other friends that just? Any other examples besides Curtis? Anything different? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Neil. Okay. Chemistry teacher in high school. All right. Yeah. Friend in high school invited you to youth group. All right. Any other stories? This is great. Yeah, and then I'll get you. Yes.
okay, a teacher just talking to you and, you know, talking to you about the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yes. Hospital room, okay. Someone coming in and telling you about Jesus, like a chaplain or something, or? Okay, all right. Puts life into perspective then, and man, yep, absolutely. The movie God's Not Dead. There you go. Yeah, I, I love that movie. That was, uh, that was well done. Any other? Yes. You were drugged to church by your, by your wife? Yes. Yeah, that's why you don't have any hair anymore. She drug you to church, and yeah, it's easier. You cl- just shave that off. You don't have to get drugged anymore. Yeah, so were you guys married then? Okay. All right, here's the realization in this is that there isn't any story that God didn't use somebody to then impact you. And in this example of Paul, that he said, yes, I will be used. For me, it wasn't about me being at the Baptist church that day. It was about the neighbor, the friend who invited me. And they made a decision. They did not have to invite me. They could have said, you know what, I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to use this Jesus word. I just, you know what, I, hey, how are you? Good. But they stepped out to say, you know what, it's not about me. The only way someone comes to know the Father and accept Jesus normally, it's because God used somebody else. Not because they had to. No condemnation. You don't have to, man. If you're here and you just need to soak and camp based on what's been going on, God just wants to hold you. He doesn't want you to do anything. But if you're also here and God is saying, you know, I I could use you here. I love you. You're equipped. You'd be great at this. And you said, "Ah, I know you're not talking to me. I know you're probably not talking to me. I I hear you, but I just feel uncomfortable to do that. And that is what the Lord is trying to get to you today. To say, one, remember who you are. Remember your true identity. Your DNA is different. You are an equal. You're not separated. You're not far away. You're not a stranger. You don't have to be good enough to be finally a friend. I call you son and daughter. So it's, it's down to making that decision. And the thing of it is, it's, it's small pieces. I'll tell you, I talked to my dad today. My mom passed away a year and a half. I talked to him last week. But my dad, since my mom passed, it's amazing how God uses you in different ways when you go through trouble and, man, sorrow and all that. But my dad literally wakes up in the morning, and it's not about him. And the only person he shares about what he's doing every day with is normally our, our you know, my, my sons and, and me or what have you. And he gets up, and he's like, Darren, I went to uh, this store. And it's funny. I, I got in, and I, I thought I was in Walmart. I was actually somewhere else. And it was right next door. And I walked in. And I just um, talked to this gentleman, and I, I said, man, hasn't the Lord just made a beautiful day? <laughs> isn't God just so good? And my dad said, um, he said, yeah, you know, but my dad had asked him, man, do you know Jesus? You know, just what he did for you and, and for me. Um, and the guy said, no, no, I don't. And so my dad had a little chance there just to talk to him about who Jesus was. Now, 
He just has to plant a little seed. That's it. And that's what God is saying to all of us. You don't, you don't have to get up here or do a revival or what, whatever it is, right? It's just a matter of, and you have all these stories. I remember talking to a friend, a neighbor, whomever, a family member. But God is saying, I just want to take you to a, that next step. There's a lot of people that die that don't know who Jesus is. And they die and that's it. And so that's all. That's the reminder of remember who you are. The only reason I'm rem- reminding you is because I want you to be able to do more things. Good works. So I want to pray for people. If, uh, if you're one that's like, man, I've been holding on to this. And God is saying, you need to let go of that. Why? Because it's, it's from your past, who you thought you were, your bloodline, how you're stuck in society and you haven't l- released into that new bloodline. You haven't renounced your citizenship of who you used to be. And God is saying, man, I just want you to release that. And you want to release it too, and you're struggling because the first thing you hear is why you can't do something because someone else told you that. Someone else said, you're never going to be able to be used that way. That's not going to work. And your enemy, you talk about reminders. The enemy is so good at reminders. You don't have to put those in your smartphone. They just pop up automatically. You never forget how the enemy says, Darren, look what you did today. I cannot believe you're going to come this weekend and, and, you know, speak about my word. That's what our enemy tries to tell us. So I just want to pray, um, and then we'll close the service, and, uh, and then we'll dismiss, okay? So, um, Father, you are so good. <laughs> Lord, you call us into citizenship um, in Israel from a spiritual standpoint, Lord. You look at us as equals, Lord. No spot, no wrinkle. Thanks to the blood of Jesus, God. Only through Jesus, only through your son, Lord, that we are able to stand here as equals. And so, God, through that, Lord, we know that anybody that's in this room, anyone that's online, probably the reason they're here is because someone decided to say yes, that, Lord, use me in that next step. And I know, God, right now, you're so proud of so many of us. You love us so much. Actually, you're proud of all of us, Lord. No condemnation. But you're saying, God, that, um, and to us, Lord, that you want to use us in different ways. And so, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, right now, if you're holding on to something, um, we need your help, Lord. But if you're holding on to something, God, from, uh, from your past, and maybe it's something that someone told you or... You're getting hung up on that. And, and Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would release that. You would fill it with your spirit, Lord. You would give us confidence, Lord. We can have confidence to step forward in you and, and be able to hear what you've called us into, our, our purpose, Lord. If it's taking a next step to a next level, Lord, we want to do that. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.